Okay, so welcome to Dive with the Divine. I'm your host, Ashley. Together, we'll be exploring the magical, the mystical, and everything in between. On today's episode, we're going to talk about American and European American folklore and a man who can't resist a good time. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I hope you're having a great week. And if not, I hope you have a, your week gets better soon. Today, we have a great guest and a fellow podcaster. We have Vanessa Rogers. She is the podcast hostess of the podcast Fabric of Folklore. The podcast explores the mysteries, significance, and the importance of folklore. She's a writer, adventurer, and mom of three with a background in communications and international business. Vanessa, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on your fun show. I love it. <laughs> Yay! Okay. So, first and foremost, first question is, how did you become interested in folklore and storytelling? I've always loved folklore. I've always loved folk tales. And in fact, before I really got into this podcast, I misunderstood what folklore was. I thought folklore and folk tales were the same thing. And because lore is another word for story, I just thought that they were I, identical. But it's not actually the case. Folklore is basically the umbrella that, that covers expression of a culture. So it's very similar in roots to anthropology, but it, it covers traditions and customs and rituals and mythology. And so it's not just folk tales, but I, I've always enjoyed reading stories to my children and specifically folk tales because I feel like there's a lot of culture in those stories that, that you don't necessarily get from just, I don't know, TV. So I started to get this idea that I wanted to write a book series for my children that was centered around folklore. And so I started looking into researching it and how I would um, research it. And I said to my, I, I, I thought to myself, it'd be a lot more fun if I turned my research into a podcast. Mm -hmm. If I'm already doing this research, why don't I just record it and have it for everybody to experience as well because it's really fun and interesting so that's how the idea of the podcast came about was i had a project that i was working on for personal purposes and then i thought it would be fun to share it with the world i love that and one thing i really like about your podcast is you go into areas that you wouldn't think of talking about folklore i know you had an episode with talking about like medical folklore. Yeah, you had an episode with, I think, an Italian singer singing traditional mm -hmm. music. This week, I know it was a blues singer. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting, the places, like you said, you can find folklore because it's in literally everything. It is in literally everything. I've been so astounded at how spread out and varied it is like I the medical one is such an interesting one because you would not expect there to be folklore in medicine but there is and it's very rich and diversified and incredibly interesting like stories about zombies and vampires are all integrated in medicine and yeah it's really crazy how far-reaching folklore is yes and it's literally the first of all you call your podcast called the fabric of folklore and i was about to say it's the fabric of our society anybody's exactly. society yeah that's why yeah. i was like oh i get it now <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's when i first it. told my aunt when i first told my aunt that i was naming it fabric of folklore she was like so it's about quilting and i was like no <laughs> so i think it takes a little bit to to get the concept of the fabric of folklore how our, our world is pieced together like a quilt is. 100%. And we don't even realize how much of our, the things we say every day, the things that we, like euphemisms we use and little superstitions that maybe we had, but we it's just so normal to us that we don't think of it as being a superstition anymore or we don't think of it as like coming from, folklore but it's just something that we do all the time mm -hmm. and it's all integrated so I love that so interesting have you always been a writer or was that something that came out of just like your experiences that you decided to write or how's no, that go? the first 
time that I decided that I was a writer was in in high school we were told to write a poem I think it was for like the dare program did you have the dare program in your school (laughs) and I think it so the poem was supposed to be about why you shouldn't do drugs right at all dare poems are supposed to be (laughs) but my poem was like about struggling and climbing up this mountain and continuously falling like I was like someone who was constantly struggling with addiction right that was the metaphor that I was going for but instead of having my paper returned to me I was directed to speak to a counselor and I was just writing it like from I I'd never I didn't do drugs in school it was just not something I did but I was trying to put myself in the mindset, and so I guess I did a good, a good enough job <laughs> work my teacher to that I might need help. Um, and and so little did she know that she was encouraging me on my writing. And then I really got into writing when I started traveling. I did a study abroad program in college in Italy, and I started a blog, and I just wrote about little things like my love of gelato and I like <laughs> wrote about how it was a love affair with gelato and how creamy I don't know it was silly but it was, was it was just fun being able to express myself creatively because when you are put in an environment that is so unlike what you were familiar with there's so much going on in your head and I just really felt the need to get it out and to yeah. express it in some way and writing was how I did that and really when I started traveling and going to different places was when I was really inspired to write for myself and write for others. And so I just did a blog for a really long time and I wrote some children's stories for my children. And I wrote some for my uh, best friend's children and I made them into audiobooks. I did that so, sort of so my children would start to listen to audiobooks to go to bed. I was hoping it would keep them in their room and keep them from coming out of their room. It doesn't, has not worked out properly. <laughs> it still come out way too many times. But, um, but that was what I was doing there. And then my son, I always wanted to write stories, but my son was like, I really want you to write a book series about me and Evelyn going to the Amazon River. And I was like, okay, let's talk about what you want to happen. He was like, I want to turn into a sea dragon and I want Evelyn to turn into a seahorse. And I was like, okay, let's see what we can do. And that's where I started got the idea of doing the folklore series surrounding them and traveling to different countries so that they would get to explore different cultures and different folklore through their stories Uh, i love that i love that you i love that he's already telling you basically what you need to write so this is how the story goes yeah i am a sea dragon got it (laughs) and my sister is doing this and you're like okay cool whatever you want we'll make it work (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now that we know all about Vanessa and her children and how cute they are, we're going to go to our dish of the week. So this week, we're going to talk about, because Vanessa lives in Texas, we're going to talk about the Texas State Fair. Now, I have been to Texas one time in my life, and I didn't leave the hotel. I was at a conference thing. So I didn't get to experience the true Texasness. All I really know about Texas is that they have a state fair and it sounds awesome and that it's hot. And I've Um, never been to the state fair. Okay. (laughs) That's okay. Oh, the other thing I know about Texas, speaking of you've never been to the state fair, is that Texas is huge. In my head, I think every state is like New Jersey. So I'm like, oh, it's an hour away. (laughs) Like, like, Or at most, it's an hour and a half. Like you could get there. I think the farthest place that people go in New Jersey from where I am, it's almost two hours. So I'm like, if that's not so bad, Texas is not like that. Texas is very large. Mm -hmm. So it takes, so from point, from the furthest point to the furthest point, it's a 15 hour drive. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh my God. (laughs) It's a large city. Yeah. If I drive 15 hours, I'm almost in Florida. That's very 
that's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think about it. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> and where where are you driving from? Remind me. So I drive from like central New Jersey. Oh, central. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So if I drive 15 hours, I'm you almost at the top of Florida or like South Georgia. Mm-hmm. So that is very far for me. And it's so funny, different people living in different parts of the country. I have a friend who lives in Utah. So for her, they're like, oh, we drove so and such and such a place. It was seven hours. It's not a big deal. I'm like, what? You drive seven hours? That's mad. Yeah. Are you all right? Like, <laughs> if I had to drive seven hours, it's like, it's a thing. We have to spend three weeks talking about what we're going to do, how we're going to get there, when we're going to mm-hmm. stop, because I'm nervous. But I remember that other people in different parts of the country, it's different. Sometimes they're used to driving that far because their state is that big or to do certain things they have to. So I don't know. <laughs> it's very interesting. So the Texas State Fair. So the Texas State, you know what's so funny? It didn't even write where it was. Which part of Texas? I'm assuming it's Houston. I would assume it's Dallas, but I Sorry. don't really know. I don't know either. I would assume it would be Dallas because, although. I'm going to find out. Know. What's the capital of Texas again? Austin. Oh, okay. It's definitely I... not. I, it's definitely not in Austin that I know of. Oh, okay. I'm saying. <laughs> so it's 80% is not in Austin. No, oh. it's not. It's right out. This is just, it's in downtown Dallas. Okay. Okay. Now That's we know. Thought. I know major cities in Texas again, but I don't know which is the capital. I'm like, oh, San Ant- today will be San Antonio. Tomorrow will be Austin. Thursday, it'll be Dallas. I don't know what the capital is. Well, historically, San Antonio was the first, the first capital, and then it was moved to Austin. Oh, interesting. I love. I always hear really good things about Austin. I also hear that it's get. It's one of those things now. It's getting like expensive, other it's, parts of the country. It's not expensive like New York is expensive, but in mm-hmm. comparison to like Texas, it is insane. And also the traffic is horrible because it was not intended to be a large. It was not intended to be a large city. It was like a very sleepy town when back in the eighties, people used to ride their bikes everywhere, and mm-hmm. it was just a very small little place. But then. The university is one of the largest universities in the U.S. It used to be number one, but now I think it's Michigan might be number one. But mm. because of the size of the university and people just were attracted to the culture of Austin, it became the hub. And then businesses like to come to Texas. That's one reason because we have really lax business laws in comparison to other states. Oh, interesting. Okay. You get, you heard it here first, folks. Now you know all about Texas. <laughs> Don't move to Texas. There's Don't move to Texas. Here. <laughs> Don't move there because it, it's there's too many people already. It wasn't built for this. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So here's some of the things that they are selling you at the Texas State Fair to eat. Because that's, the I think, one of the most famous things about it is that the food is, like, off the chain. So the first thing we're going to talk about is this deep fried honey, because what's happening here? Who knows? It is a, so everything is fried. Like a majority of it is fried, mm-hmm. which means number one, it's delicious. And number two, it's super probably unhealthy. But again, sometimes you have to suffer for good food. <laughs> so don't eat for a week and then go to the Texas State mm-hmm. Fair. Mm-hmm. Good plan. We do not promote any eating disorders on this podcast. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> if you're worried about your cholesterol, either don't go or just you've got to adjust your diet. So you have deep fried honey, which is literally what it is. It's honey in like a crispy wrapper. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. that's like a wonton mm-hmm. situation. And then they put it in powdered sugar on it and cinnamon. And then they put it in a fryer and they fry it and it sounds probably good. Yeah, it sounds really good. I would totally eat that. And it comes from a a bee rescue ranch, which is cute. That's nice. You're having bees. We have a crispy dilly dog, which is a juicy dill pickle that's filled with a beef hot. Wait, how do they fill the pickle with a beef? Okay. I guess they put the pickle on the outside of the hot dog. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then they put it in 
corn dog batter, and then they roll it in panko breadcrumbs, and then they fry it. Wow. God. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the craziest hot dog I've ever seen was in Korea. This Korean street food is famous. And they put a hot dog with french fries on the outside, and they deep fry the whole thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 so you don't even have to buy french fries on the side <laughs> oh wow i love how they're just they're trying to make it a deal for you so you don't have... <laughs> Wait, just kidding i don't know <laughs> i love that also speaking of korean food i love korean fried chicken more than anything it is so good and it's lighter than american fried chicken because they don't dip it in like a batter it's just like I don't know how they do it, but it's very good. I like Korean fried chicken. Mm. Okay, then you have chocolate-dipped cheesecake, and that's on a stick. That's cute. So it's already dipped in chocolate, so it tastes like one of those, probably like one of those bars you get from the ice cream truck with the hard chocolate on the outside. I love cheesecake, but I don't know if I could eat all that. Because even one slice of cheesecake is really heavy. It's like a Um, meal itself. It is. I'm like, okay, I don't want to, I love dessert, but I don't want to spoil my whole meal on dessert. I'm like, I want a protein and then dessert. So I don't know. But it sounds good if this is what you're going to share. Say you're probably going to share it with your friends. You could probably eat it. So it's dipped in Belgian chocolate, then rolled in a bunch of different toppings, which include hazelnut, crushed Oreos, red velvet cake, strawberry crumble, and others. And if it's, sometimes they do special cheesecakes, like a pumpkin spice or something depends on what they're in the mood for they also have the no, they, we have a salad we have shaken beef salad shaking beef or a french it's a french inspired vietnamese dish which consists of beef sauteed with cucumber lettuce tomatoes red onion peppers and soy sauce that sounds pretty good and then the beef's cut into small cubes and then it's put in the salad Okay, that's your healthy option. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Also, if you're a vegetarian, I'm not sure if you can go. You have to stay <laughs> You can go for the rides maybe, and that's like it. You can't go for the food. I'm not sure vegetarians, maybe vegetarians will want to go, but a lot of those animals after the show are slaughtered. So. Oh, no. Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> never... I... I don't know if you remember in Charlotte's Web, like the whole reason they were trying to save him from being slaughtered. And then a lot of times the best pig or the best cow will be slaughtered. And I don't really know they're sold to the best buyer or whatever. And so they were the whole book they were trying to save Wilbur from the slaughterhouse. But it's, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> See, first of all, I think it's what I'm, Charlotte's Web is one of those books I never remember what it's about. I don't even know if I read it as a kid. Or I feel like I did. But I can never, I maybe I blocked it out. I don't know. But I also didn't know that. That's crazy. I don't, because in New Jersey, we have a state fair, but I don't, it's not cool like the Texas state fair. It's just, I've never even been, but I don't think it's that cool. But we do have the sheep and wool show, which I enjoy. And they don't, I know they don't slaughter them because those people, they just shear them. They do shearing demonstrations and stuff. But I didn't realize they slaughtered them. Oh, no. Well, not all of them. And some of them are there for just show animals. Yeah. eventually, that is their end destination. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, animals. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. And last but not least, we have the Bayou Bowl. So it's a loaded Bayou explosion of three cheese macaroni topped with shrimp and lump crab cooked in garlic mm. scampi butter, drizzled with Cajun cream sauce, and then accompanied by a succulent andouille sausage. The mm. perfect side with loaded French toast. You don't need more stuff on your French toast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, sorry. Not French toast. French bread to sop up the Cajun goodness. Mm. All righty. That's nice. Okay. That's a lot. We're the bayou there, even though we're in Texas. I don't know. Maybe there's someone. Well, from we're there. right next to Louisiana, so there's <laughs> some influence. And there's a lot of people from Louisiana who came over and, and re- reside in Texas now after several of the hurricanes, but specifically oh, yeah. Hurricane Katrina. So there were a lot of Louisiana refugees that ended up just moving here. And then there's a lot of, you know, they're struggling a lot with uh, sea level rising. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of 
climate migration due to mm. that. And Texas is where a lot of Louisianans end up. Oh, I don't even know. My geography's off. Because I was like, no, it can't be between. I thought there was Mississippi and Alabama. But that's the other side. That's the other oh. side. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I, got the, I was like, wait. And then when you started talking, I was like, oh, I see what I did there. I see. I made that mistake. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is the part of the show where I'm going to plug myself. If you enjoy the show, you can follow me on socials. You can follow me at Dime of the Divine on Instagram and threads and TikTok. And I'm also Dime with the Divine on Facebook. And if you really enjoy the show, I really appreciate if you could give us a rating. Five stars is preferable, but whatever you like, just say it with your chest on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have any suggestions for episodes, comments, questions, constructive critiques, feel free to email me at dime with a dime with a divine pod at gmail.com. Woohoo! Okay. Can you can you explain what threads is? I keep doing yeah. that with Instagram and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> what is always the so, time? <laughs> I never used Twitter. I was not a Twitter person. I didn't get it. And then when Elon came, I was like, nah, I'm certainly never using it because this just seems like it's a mess. It's just like you you just type your thoughts. It's like very quick. You just write a little message or whatever what you want on there. I know on Twitter, I think there used to be like a word lim- or a character limit. Right. I don't think there is one on threads. Yeah, you can just say whatever you want real quick. Sometimes I use it. Do people put links up? Yeah, people do put links. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes I use it and then sometimes it'll be three weeks and I won't use it. So I'm not like that good with it. Yeah. <laughs> but it just depends on the week. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll be brave and try it out. Yeah. <laughs> I did try. I am trying out Twitter X. I'm just calling it Twitter X because yeah. I but there's a lot of folklorists and historians there. And so a lot of academics are on Twitter still and they're stuck there. And yeah. um, anyway, so I had to have a little bit of a presence there. No, that's smart. I think, first of all, I think it's hilarious because all these reporters keep trying to call Twitter X and everyone keeps forgetting. Like, if you watch TV and they'll be like, Twitter. And then they'll be and they're like, wait, X, formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. We're not, nobody's ever going to call it X. We're all going to no. keep calling it Twitter. <laughs> it's totally fine. Don't worry about it, news reporters. We're not mad at you. <laughs> okay, since we have a wonderful podcast host who hosts a podcast about folklore, we're going to talk about folk heroes in American culture. Because when you think about folklore and folk heroes, I feel like a lot of people don't think of America as having many because we are such a young country. They're like, how much ancient stuff can we have? And that's not to discount indigenous folklore. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to say that in terms of the colonizers and stuff, people, when they start from there, they think, oh, there can't be that much in terms of European people because not a lot has happened. Mm-hmm. But there's tons of indigenous folklore, depending obviously on the tribe and the region. And that's all really good to look up. And we're going to talk about that more down the line on this show, too. So I'm right now, though, I'm talking about European American folklore. So we're going to talk about some of the folklore and some and a lot of it came here. A lot of it started here. And a lot of the folklore that started in the United States came out of the struggle I want to say of the people who were living here. When the people got here, when the Europeans came, some of them coming for whatever reason they were coming for, they realized, as this happened in a lot of places around the world, they didn't know what the hell they were doing. They didn't know the landscape. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. And what did had they done? They had pushed away Native Americans. So why would the Native American want to help them? Because they were so nasty to them. So they weren't really they were on their own. So that brought up a lot of this folklore too. And a lot of these characters who were like super strong or they were loggers and all these different types of things. Here's the, These are all divided by region, which I really like. 
These are a couple different American folk heroes. We have the, these aren't really folk heroes, but this is a big folklore thing that everybody knows about. New England witches, the Salem witch trials. There's a lot of folk folklore that comes out of that. Um, and again, with the Salem witch trials, those people, they don't know if they were actually witches. They probably weren't. It was probably just they were having drama in the colony. Um, and all of those people, they didn't know what to do except create problems. So they probably weren't actually witches, but a lot of people go to Salem every year. It's a big thing. It's October right now. I'm so crazy with this podcast. Who knows when this podcast will come out? But right now it's October. <laughs> in, in Salem, it's overrun by tourists at this point. People trying to get in on the spookiness and they really make it up there. I've never been there, but I have friends who go there every year and they love it. So go to Salem and support them. Is there um, like a Hocus Pocus tour that you can do? That would be so fun. I'm absolutely sure there has to be. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. there definitely has to be a Hocus Pocus tour because why wouldn't they? Because, oh, right. God, love Hocus Pocus. It's one of my favorite movies. There is a tale of Bowleg Bill, which is rude. Um, <laughs> like, if he had Bowleg, that's not his fault. Um, <laughs> like, this is a Wyoming rancher who ended up in Massachusetts where apparently he rode on tuna fish and whales. Okay, that's fine. You could do that. There's Captain Kidd's Treasures. This is in New York. There's a pirate named William Kidd, and apparently he hid some of his treasure on Gardeners Island, which is a small island off Long Island. Okay, neat. Then there's Sal of the Erie Canal, and I only read that because it rhymed, and I really wanted to read it. Um, <laughs> so he's featured in a song called Lo The Low Bridge. Sal is a mule and is symbolic of the mules that helped build New York City. Different cities in New York, I'm sorry, such as Utica and Buffalo. Then we have Old Stormalong, who's also from... A lot of people in Massachusetts make sense because that's where Plymouth Rock is. Alfred Bulltop Stormalong was a giant sailor ooh, who cruised New England fighting the Kraken. Okay. I didn't know the Kraken was here, but that's fine. And then we have Molly Pitcher. This is New Jersey, but Molly Pitcher was like a real person. Not... She is a folk hero. Yeah, some of these people are real people. She was carrying water to soldiers during the Civil War. A lot of the Civil War, not a lot of it, but a good, a lot of portions of the Civil War were here in New Jersey. We have a lot of battlefields and dedications and all that kind of stuff to that. Johnny Appleseed was in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, and Illinois. And Johnny Appleseed was a real person named John Chapman, and he planted apple trees across the United States. Some claim that his apples were, hard, were used for hard cider, that makes sense. Also, my favorite, one of my favorite fun facts, when the, what were they called? Oh my God, my brain is completely melting. The Puritans. When the Puritans showed up in the 1600s here, there were 1,600 varieties of apples. Isn't that now, That's nuts. And now there's only 300, I think. Mm -hmm. Cause, yeah, because they just went nuts. And then, you know, climate change sucks. Then there's a guy named Tony Beaver. He was in West Virginia, a woodsman from... Eel River, and he occasionally called a cousin of he's occasionally called a cousin of Paul Bunyan, and known for his passion for griddle skating, which involves okay, skating on a griddle usually with butter greased feet or bacon shoes. I don't know. Huh. <laughs> I'm just of someone wearing shoes made of bacon. It's very funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> Skating on a griddle? How do, I mean, Isn't that really dangerous? <laughs> it's so small. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they just had really big griddles back then. Like, maybe a visualization of this. <laughs> and you use bacon shoes? I don't really get. Why would you make a shoe? Of bacon, that's disgusting. Um, go with bacon. This is my this is my new podcast topic. Griddle <laughs> skating. I know. I'm gonna. So as soon as I every week, I promise you guys, I'm gonna put things on the blog, and I don't. I'm definitely putting this on the blog because we have to find out about this. So we're gonna do skating. more research about griddle skating. I am. Um, you know, too. <laughs> I just wrote that down. Griddle skating. Look up. Um, <laughs> Oh, gosh. Then we have Daniel Boone, 
who's from Kentucky and most associated with Kentucky. And Daniel Boone was an actual explorer. And he was like Davy Crockett. His exploits overshadow what he really did. So people say Daniel Boone did all this stuff, but he like actually did exploring. Like he actually helped map out the United States. Then we have, this one is just a funny name. So that's why I'm reading it. The Sissy from the Hard Scramble County Rock Quarries. Okay. This is, it's a tale about tough men who worked in quarries and a man who rode panthers and used a rattlesnake as a whip. Oh my. That yeah. Was the- yeah, I feel like yeah, you should not pick up a rattlesnake, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> it seems pretty dangerous. I don't know. Then we have some from the Southeast. So we have Captain John Smith. That's Pocahontas territory right there. He's a guy from Jamestown. And oh no, I accidentally pressed on an ad. Come back. Okay. <laughs> All right, found it. <laughs> Then we have the Lost Colony of Roanoke. That's a big one. That was in South Carolina. Those was those, that group of people who they just disappeared. And there's a, a whole bunch of different theories on what happened to them. Um, a lot of people think they just died from diseases and stuff because they didn't. They were down there, and it's like again, an area that is tough to live on that land if you don't already know how to deal with the land. Um, but wasn't the mystery kind of that their bodies weren't there? Like, yeah. Because they could have died, but then where were their bodies? That was the other problem. That's what they said. They're like, yeah, they probably died, but we don't know where they went. <laughs> so that's, there's a mystery. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows where they are um, or what happened. So then there's Old Black Joe, and he was a slave, and his name was Old Black Joe. And <laughs> he's not associated with a specific stake. But there was a song performed um, by Al Jolston called Swanee River about Old Black Joe. Oh, Briar Rabbit is a big one. Briar Rabbit is a... Now, I've heard different things about Briar Rabbit. Briar Rabbit's one of those characters that there's a lot of different folk tales about Briar Rabbit involving Briar Rabbit. And it's like a trickster thing. They think that... Yeah, okay. I did. I never really knew about it till like maybe... A year ago, I listened to a podcast called Tales, and they had a story about Briar Rabbit. That's actually really scary. I'm going to tell her on some point, but it's very frightening. It's not for children. <laughs> Briar Rabbit, it's not playing around. He appears in a lot of African folktales and Cherokee folktales, Briar Rabbit. They think it might be like a combination of it. There are characters, trickster rabbits in Africa, along with trickster rabbits and wolves and different animals in different indigenous cultures in the United States. And then we have bull weevil, which the bull weevil preyed on vulnerable cotton crops and was immortalized in many popular songs. So I don't even know a bull weevil. I thought it was like some kind of germ. I don't know what it is. I, it's okay. I don't really know either. It's fine. John Henry. Everybody knows John Henry. He was a steel man and he was supposedly huge and he'd walk around with a bunch of steel and he was doing great. We have there's like a the Paul Bunyan of steel. I think so. Yeah. He was just huge and he was doing great. He's from Alabama. Nice. Okay. Then a man without a country. I like this one because it's very interesting. Edward Everett Hale was wrote a story about a guy named Phil Philip Nolan, who is an army lieutenant who renounced his country during the treason trial. And he just was forced to live at sea because he couldn't go anywhere. Okay. Then there was Ponce de Leon who was a Spanish explorer, who was the first governor of Puerto Rico. And they say that he he went there because he was looking for the fountain of youth. Mm. David Crockett in Tennessee. Huckleberry Finn, who everybody knows. Mark Twain wrote about. All right. Then we get to the Midwest. There's a lot of Paul Bunyan festivals in Minnesota. I Mm. didn't know that. Okay. I wrote it. A blog post about Paul, Pun- Paul, Paul Bunyan recently, and um, he, most legends are based off of real people, and mm-hmm. they think he was based off a real person. But the the interesting thing that they said was that he was probably about six feet tall, but most men at that time were around five feet because of malnutrition, yeah. and so he was considered giant. But in, a, in in today's world, like he would just be a normal, average size. But I was like astounded that six feet was a giant in that time period. I we just don't really have that, that concept of malnutrition today as yeah. much as they did. 
That makes so much sense because they say the same thing about Napoleon. They say mm-hmm. Napoleon was like five five. Like he wasn't that short. Like mm-hmm. they're like, oh, Napoleon's in no, they say he was maybe five, 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 six. He wasn't that short. And plus they were like everybody else wasn't that much taller than him. And it's right because they were all peasants, the people he was around and stuff. They weren't eating that good. Yeah. Interesting. Then we have Hiawatha, which is a prehistoric Native American leader and usually placed somewhere in New York, though the map sometimes puts him in the Midwest too. And he was famous, yeah, famous for his leadership of the Iroquois Confederacy. Then we have Deadwood Dick, South Dakota, popularized by dime novels by Edward Linton Wheeler. The character became infamous cowboy with the cowboy town of Deadwood. He was also, many real cowboys use this name. They believe that it was a pseudonym for the African-American cowboy Nat Love. There's actually a Netflix show they made about Nat Love. I don't know how true it is, but it's pretty entertaining. Ooh. Wild West stuff is usually pretty entertaining. <laughs> wild West was actually wild. If you really read about it, it didn't make sense. I was like, I don't know how people went out there because it's really crazy. Calamity Jane, she was a frontiers, frontiers woman and a fighter. And she was really good with her, with the guns, like Annie Oakley, that kind of situation. Buffalo Bill we got in Kansas, who was an infamous figure in Wild West. He rode for the Pony Express and fought in the Civil War and explored the frontier. The Pony Express is something that I feel like we also need to have a whole episode about because that was also Ooh. wild. And even mm-hmm. stagecoaches, driving a stagecoach back then was like the most dangerous thing you could do. Mm-hmm. I don't know how those people were out there living. I don't know. All right. I know that's true. <laughs> Unfortunately, all those poor people, they were struggling. Using um, <laughs> a rattlesnake as a whip. <laughs> like, it was all a bad idea. And then we go to the Southwest. We got Bigfoot Wallace in Texas. He was a ranger who was famous for his exploits in early Texas. He fought with the Mexican people and a lot of indigenous people of the Americas. So he remember Texas at that time still was part of Mexico. So he was out there just, like I said, the Wild West was wild. Out, they were all out there just losing their minds because nobody knew what was going on. I feel like that's part of the problem. It was just madness. John Brown, a figure who was actually historical, but he raided Harper's Ferry and became a legend in Kansas. Let's see who else? Oh, Jesse James, famous outlaw from Missouri. Let's see, Finn McCool, which is actually a very popular Irish folk tale. There's a lot of tales about Finn McCool, but that came over from Ireland. And apparently the, a lot of his tales landed in Texas. Mm. So then we got, well, now we're going, oh, okay, we got to the West finally. Woo, took us a minute, babe. <laughs> oh, babe, the blue ox. That was Paul Bunyan's ox. Remember he was a giant ox? Okay. With blue. Um, <laughs> gosh i don't know why they put just general mormons on here i don't okay the mormons have a lot of very interesting tales too we're gonna do a whole episode about mormons also i keep saying all these things i should probably write it down don't worry we'll figure it out later (laughs) (laughs) come back around around. do it at some point and then we have johnny inkslinger from the west so like paul bunyan johnny inkslinger probably belongs to minnesota or, or wisconsin but he also had a very interesting story because he was Paul Bunyan's timekeeper and accountant. He made his pen by connecting it to a barrel of ink with a rubber hose. Okay, I don't know how big the hose was. Another thing that's so crazy about the Wild West was back then, I read this, that the banks, so there are all these bank robbers, right? But the banks all had their own money. So like you would rob a bank and then not be able to use the money somewhere else. Because every bank had its, there was no like FDD. Oh, they're all currency. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. Oh. Yes, they all own currency and you could only use it through their own bank, through that bank. Yeah. I don't, so I don't know what the point of robbing a bank was because you didn't know where you could use the money if you left. Unless you were just getting gold, like, because gold was valuable everywhere, but paper currency probably, probably wouldn't be able to use, right? Yeah, probably not. The Wild West is crazy. My other favorite fact, and I know I've said this on the podcast before, is about the women in the Wild West, how they were 
how so at first in the west all the people went out there were dudes and they were out there and they would be paying money like to just see a pair of like panties like (laughs) desperation that's where they were desperate like they didn't know what to do yeah because it would just be like camps full of dudes and they were like wow this is we would like some women around so Mm -hmm. people are making money with the panties so then some of these women were smart and they're like what we're gonna do gonna mm-hmm. go out there and be prostitutes because i can make mad money so they did and it was so successful for now don't get me wrong i'm sure there was lots of issues with it too um mm-hmm. there were there was drug use and there was you know abuse but in some cases the women made mad money these women mm-hmm. the one woman i don't remember her name but there was a woman who literally invented workman's comp like, because she made so much money. <laughs> she made so much money. And then she realized that some of her clients, they would get hurt in the mine or wherever they were working. And they could just, they would just be destitute. And she this seems stupid. We should have a system that if you get hurt, that you still get some money if you get hurt at work. Wow. She literally wow. invented workman's comp. And she was, she owned a brothel. That sound like something a woman would invent. <laughs> <laughs> women go, they're like, this is a problem. If you guys aren't yeah. thinking about this? Okay, let me. <laughs> And look, there was a lot of women who opened, a lot of women who opened schools because they realized, oh, there's no schools out here. There's kids here and there's nobody to teach them. They became teachers. They opened schools, hospitals. And it was so serious in Wisconsin that when Wisconsin became a state and they were like, okay, you guys can become a state and you can vote. And at this time, only men can vote. Wisconsin refused to become a state unless women could vote. No, really? Yeah, because the governor was like, Literally, women built our state, and if women can't vote, we're not. We don't want to be a state. So then they were like, "Was I think Wisconsin's the first state that let women vote because they were like, we literally do not want to be a part of this country if you won't let women wow. vote." Wow, I mean, yeah. they, they must have taken it away, but that's really yeah. Nice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> but they were like doing so good, and all these women really helping. They didn't even need to help these dudes. They went up there and helped them so much. Got them services, hospitals. They were, had restaurants. They had everything. Because all the dudes were sitting around working in camps, not thinking about anything, paying five cents to see a pair of panties. Mm-hmm. This is not me shitting on men. I'm just thinking, you guys. Think harder. <laughs> <laughs> Advance your space in society. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love women. Um <laughs> we're just we're just out here just changing lives every day okay so now you know about some american folk heroes i have a whole list in the show notes you can click on the link and read about the ones that i didn't talk about so now we're going to tell our story today our story is going to be a story that's going to be very familiar to you I'm going to keep it a secret for a second i'm just going to read about the author so the guy who wrote this story his name is washington irving You may have heard that name before. He was born in 1783, and he's an American short story writer, essayist, biographer, historian, and a diplomat. Diplomat. A diplomat of the... (laughs) What am I doing? A diplomat of the early 19th century. I think I was talking about Wisconsin just now, and I'm like, my friend is from Wisconsin, and I'm like always constantly talking about how I love their accent. And you just had to take it on for yourself. Yeah. Bodied it. <laughs> oh God, I love Midwestern accents. I think they're so cute. Um, <laughs> he's best known for his short stories, one including The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I'm sure as people have heard of that one. And the one we're gonna tell today, which is the story of Van Winkle. He has appeared. Oh, he also wrote the biographies of o- Oliver Goldsmith, Muhammad, like the prophet Muhammad, of George Washington. And he also wrote several histories of 15th century Spain that include dealing with Columbus, dealing with the Moors, Alhambra, and also served as the American ambassador to Spain in the 1840s. He is the first American writer to earn acclaim in Europe, and he was encouraged by, and he encouraged other American authors such as Nathaniel Hawthorne, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Herman Melville, and Edgar Allan Poe. He was also admired by some British writers, including Lord Byron, Thomas Campbell, Charles Dickens, Mary Shelley, Francis Jeffrey, and Walter Scott. And he advocated for writing as a legitimate profession 
and argued for stronger laws to protect American writers from copyright infringement. Mm. What a what a, what a guy! Jeez, what a Renaissance man! Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. I'm a writer. This is real. I'm talented. People didn't think so, but he fought for them. Good for you guys. Okay, so this is the story, everybody. Ready? Okay, here we go. This is a refresher if you know the story, and if you don't, now you know. So this is a story of Rip Van Winkle. Picture it. We're in the Catskill Mountains. They're beautiful. Oh, my God. I like the Catskills. It's in New York State, and it's 1769. It, we're real early in when America came to be. We're in a small Dutch village, and there's this dude, and his name is Rip Van Winkle. Rip is first name, so we just call him Rip. So anyway, everybody loved Rip. You know that person that everybody likes because they don't do anything? And you know that person is lazy and they're just lovable? That's Rip. He doesn't have a good job or anything. He doesn't work hard, but he's just nice. Yeah, that's Rip. So everybody loved him. Even the kids loved him because he'd be out there playing with the kids, like having a good time. But he didn't do anything productive ever. So he would do like little odd jobs here and there, but then he would get distracted because he'd rather go hang out in the bar or playing games outside in the street with the kids. So his wife got pissed off, obviously, because she's like, actually, can you get a job? Because it's 1769. How many options do we have right now? I need you to get a job. So she was always like, I hate this word. Nagging. I hate that word. She was always like, rip, yang and job, yang and job. And he was like, oh, God, you're so annoying. You're driving me crazy. So one day she was like, rip, you gotta get a job. And he's leave me alone. So he got mad. And he decided to go into the woods with his dog. His dog's name is Wolf. Okay, so I'm going to say Wolf, but it's not a real wolf. It's a dog. And because he wanted to get away from his wife. So this is something he did all the time. He would just go like hunting, squirrel hunting and things like that. On this particular day, he walked and he walked. And he lost track of where he was going. But he was like nine miles away from town. And he was like, whatever, I'm far away. But I know how to get home. It's not a big deal. So he sat down for a minute. And he was just hanging out with the dog and looking around. Then he saw this short, chubby guy, and he was wearing old-fashioned clothes, and he was walking around the keg. Now, Rip Van Winkle, again, I said this is a Dutch village. The guy was wearing old-fashioned Dutch clothes, something maybe that would have worn, like, 20, 30 years prior. So he's, what's that guy wearing those clothes for? That's weird. So you're looking at the guy. The guy is a little person. Whatever. He doesn't know what's going on. So then he gets worried a little bit because he starts hearing thunder and he's thinking it's going to rain. So Rip naturally goes up to the guy with the keg. He goes, chases him, and he's like, excuse me, do you need help carrying this keg? Plus, Rip liked to drink. So he probably thought that if he helped the guy carry the keg, the guy would give him some beer. So the guy was like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll take some, I'll take some help. Let's go. And so they go down into this little ravine and then they see a little valley. And he sees a whole bunch of dudes there, and they're all dressed the same as the guy carrying the keg. And they're all playing nine pins, which is like a bowling game. He remembers, he looks at them, and he thinks about this picture that he had seen in the minister's house. And he's like, wow, those guys actually look like the picture. That's interesting. So then the men stop playing the game for a minute, and they're all looking at Rip. Bro, what are you doing here? And he's, oh, I wanted to help him carry the keg, but I also want to join the party. And then they all go back to their game and kind of ignore Rip. So now Rip, is, he looks at them now, and they just don't look right. Like, he doesn't know what's wrong with them, but they just don't look right. Um, so he's a little unnerved by this, but now he's there, and he doesn't really know how to leave, so he just stays. So then the guy who was carrying the keg hands Rip a drink, like, you want a drink? And he's, okay, yeah, sure, I love drink. And that was his goal anyway, right? He wanted, he wanted a drink. So he gets a drink, takes his drink, and he's, okay, this is good, this is good. So he keeps drinking. All of a sudden, Rip basically blacks out. I don't know how much he drank, but he, he wasn't awake. Next thing he knows, he's waking up, and it's the sun. Okay, so the night has passed. He, he woke up. He's like, what's going on? So now he has a new worry. He's wow. So I left to avoid my wife. But the fact that I didn't come back, she's going to be pissed. Like she's going to be even angrier. Now she's going to be yelling at me. Where was I? He's okay. I got, I got to get myself together. Let me get my stuff. So he reaches over to find his gun and his hunting gun. Right. And he reaches over and he sees that there's a gun next to him, but it's all rusty and old and it's crumbling. And he's, this is not my gun. Someone stole my gun. So now he's pissed. 
Someone took his gun. Oh, my God. And then he's yelling, wolf, yelling for his dog. He can't find the dog anywhere. The dog's not coming. And he's, oh, my God, I can't find my dog. And I lost my gun. This sucks. So he's, okay, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go. So first he gets up and he says, you know what? Let me actually go check with those guys to see if they're still there. And they took my gun. So he goes to walk towards where they were. And all he sees is like a big, like a mountain, like a wall. And he's, wait a minute. I could have sworn that this is where I was. But there wasn't anybody there. It was a wall. So he's, okay, let me just turn around and go home. So he turns around, goes home. He walks and he walks. He finally gets back to the village. And when he gets back there, everybody is dressed really different than he's used to. He's, why is everybody dressed in this strange fashion? He doesn't know what's going on. Everyone's looking at him. Like, why does he look like this? He doesn't know why everybody's looking at him. But he's looking at everyone, too. Who are these people? He sees the kids in the streets. And like I said, he used to hang out with the kids and play games with them. He doesn't recognize any of these kids. He's, I don't know who any of these kids are. He's looking up at the names of the buildings in the town, like the names of the businesses. All the names are different than he's used to. He's used to only seeing Dutch names. Now there's English names. There's German names. There's all sorts of names. And he's like, I don't know what it's where I am. So for a second, he thinks he got lost and he's somewhere else's town. But he doesn't know what else to do. So he just keeps walking. And he goes, okay, I recognize the street. And he runs into his street and he goes towards his house. But when he goes to his house, he opens the door and it, everything's covered in cobwebs and dust. And there's nobody there. And he's, this is weird. Why is my house so dirty? I was just here yesterday. Okay. So then he realizes, let me go to the inn, to the bartender, my friend. I know this one. And let me go talk to them. So when he gets to the inn, which is called the Union Inn now, he's there as a tree. And on the tree, there was a flag. And he didn't know what this flag was. He had never seen it. But he goes inside. And inside... In the inn, there used to be a picture of King George. Because remember when he was, when he had left the day before, it was 1769. This is the year, this is before the revolution. So King George was the one in charge. But now there's a picture of a different guy. And so he asks the bartender, he's, who's that? And he's, oh, that's George Washington. Even who the hell is George Washington? Like, he's very confused. So... He asked for two people that he knows in town. So he asked for the mayor and they're like, oh no, the mayor has been dead for years. And then he asked for the minister. He finds out the minister is a congressman and he's what's a congress. He doesn't know what that is. Either. <laughs> he's like, what's he doing? Now outside people are yelling and carrying on. There's a gathering happening. So he goes outside and He's, there's a political rally. People are talking. So people start looking at Rip. And he's standing in the crowd. And Rip is looking confused. So they're like, what is this guy doing? He looks like a madman, right? When the speaker points at Rip and says, who did you vote for? And Rip's vote? <laughs> for what? What did <laughs> And then Rip said, I'm just a simple man who's loyal to the king. And everyone gasped. Oh my God, you're what? And he's loyal to the king. I don't know what you, what's going on. So now he's like losing it, right? Everyone's gasping and looking at him. And then he just screams, does anybody know Rip Van Winkle? And like, that's him, right? Everyone, oh yeah, we know Rip Van Winkle. And they turn and they point to this younger guy. And he's like, Rip original rip is who are you and he's i'm rip van winkle and he's oh i'm rip van winkle so everyone's so confused so they asked the younger rip van winkle they said who's your dad and he said my dad was rip van winkle and he said that's me <laughs> everyone's screaming so then there's also a woman in the corner who's shushing her baby and she's rip be quiet rip your baby's name Rip too? There's so many Rips in this town. So then she's, yeah, my dad was Rip Van Winkle. So I named my kid Rip because my dad got lost and we don't know what happened to him 20 years ago. And he's 20 years ago. Oh my God. So she's freaking out. 
come to find out that the girl, the woman with the baby is his daughter. The other rip is his son. And he's, oh my God, you're so grown. And she's, oh my God, where have you been for 20 years? And he's, he tells the story and nobody believes him. Everyone's rip. Come on now. That's bullshit. That's crazy. And he's, no, you'll never know. This is what really happened to me. So he tells everybody this story. So then they go and they ask this guy who's the oldest man in the village, Peter Vanderdock. They say he knows all the history and all the folklore in the area. So they're like, Peter, listen to this story and tell us if it makes sense. So he listens. Peter listens to the story of Rip Van Winkle. And Peter's, you know what? Henrik Hudson, a.k.a. Henry Hudson and his crew. They explored here. They're the ones who came down the Hudson River. They colonized New York. And they said every 20 years, they come back to make sure if the land is still good. And in fact, Peter's dad had seen them once and they were dressed in old fashioned clothing, playing nine pins. And Peter said that he had heard the thundering of the bowling pins one summer afternoon. So then they were like, okay, maybe Rip isn't lying. Because if Peter is the oldest dude here and he knows it and we trust Peter, maybe Rip's telling the truth. So then Rip moved in with his daughter and Rip's, Rip moved in with his daughter and his husband. And the husband is one of the kids he used to play with in the yard when he was younger. From then on, Rip would just hang out in the inn telling everybody this story about how he was gone for 20 years and all this kind of stuff and people would tell him about how the town has changed and everybody lived happily ever after <laughs> what happened to his wife oh his wife died very angry with him yeah she, she was so mad yeah. poor woman she died she had died earlier yeah that was another thing sorry i forgot he asked where's my wife and his daughter's like oh she died and he's been gone for 20 years and he's like what it was crazy. Did he age? Did he look physically different? Yes. Oh my gosh. I forgot to say that too. When he got to his daughter's house, like when, after he was with the crowd, they gave him a mirror and his beard was long and he looked different, but he hadn't seen a mirror because it's 1700s and mirrors aren't everywhere. So he was like, oh shit. <laughs> he saw his yeah. beard and he realized that he was so old. He had been gone for 20 years and it was crazy. If you ever see people in old Dutch clothing, don't drink their beer because you might fall asleep for 20 years and your family will be looking for you. <laughs> it's such an interesting story. Like, oh, how did that explain that even happening? Like, why would why would these people want to put Rip asleep? I, I assume they did, right? I guess. Or I feel like they just assume that nobody else would drink their beer. And nobody else would see a bunch of strange men in old-fashioned Dutch clothing and then go, hey, guys, can I hang out? So they just were like, I guess if he's dumb enough to do this, we might as well get him some beer. It's so funny. I'm like, oh, what a story. Oh, okay. That brings us to the end of the show. Oh. Oh, God. Vanessa, thank you so much for being with us today. Where would you like to be found on the internet and all your socials and such? Uh, so we have a website, www.fabricoffolklore.com, and you can find us there. We're on YouTube, so our podcast is also a video podcast, um, but you can also listen to us on all the regular podcasting platforms like Apple and Spotify. And as well, if you want to give us ratings, we always also accept ratings. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're on most of the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, those are the main ones. I'm not on TikTok. Uh, I don't know what to do there. <laughs> yeah, so you can find us there, Fabric of Folklore. And thanks so much for having me on the show. This was really fun. Good, yes, it's been awesome. Yes, everybody listen to Fabric Folklore. It's very interesting. And I promise you that if there isn't one subject you're like, oh, that I don't really interest in that, you'll find something on that podcast that's interesting. There's so Seriously. many different topics. Yeah. Seriously. It's... Sometimes people are like, I have this to talk about. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's not weird. But then yes. I'm like, oh, God. It's fascinating. Very, I learned a lot and it's fun. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good podcast. Um, okay, everybody. 
So thank you all for being here this week. Again, you're listening to Dine with the Divine. And we're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, threads, all that stuff. And then if you like the show, like I said, please give us a rating. Make sure that you are subscribed so you get the show every Thursday. It won't cost you anything. It's free. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or comments, please feel to feel free to email me at dinewiththedivinepod at gmail.com. And if you want to follow me, Ashley, I'm at Sankofa. That's S-A-N-K-O-F-A-H as and Sankofa Healing Sanctuary on Facebook. Oh, I'm at Sankofa HS on Instagram and threads. Don't go on TikTok because I don't really post on there for that. Anyway, again, thank you, Vanessa and everybody. Please have a fantastic week. Stay safe out there. 